Hey, what's up? This is Christopher Stolle of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. The podcast you are listening to is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com. That's s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows, as well as information and ability to contact publicist Steve Joyner for more information. Just go to the website and check out the family, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, enjoy the show. Hey, Bill. Today's guest, Shannon Wilson, is going to be in Halston on Netflix. Wouldn't it be fun to wear designer clothes all day? I wouldn't know. We're only voiceover bots. What would I know about fancy labels? I guess you're right. She also works for QVC. You can buy clothes there. What a great idea. I'll do that now. Hello? Hi QVC. I'd like to order one exercise bicycle, 3000 spaghetti strainers, and a Snuggie. Something tells me I don't even want to hear an explanation. Can you order some better jokes? Attention rebels of the sure pollution. Today's podcast is being brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com Sherpa. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And now Mr. Bruce will lead you into the Sherpa Chalet. As a reminder, please don't disturb the yak. Coming to you from Sherpa Chalet in beautiful downtown Mount Podcastia, it's time for entertainment interviews in the Sherpa screening room. Grab an aisle seat and a bucket of popcorn, but don't crunch too loud or you'll miss the show. Now, here's your host, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. Hello there, Rebels, and welcome to the Sherpa Screening Room. It's me, Jim, the podcast, Sherpa, and we've got a wonderful guest today. We had so much fun talking, but I have a lot of fun with my guests all the time, don't I? And today is no exception. Her name is Shannon Wilson. She's been a DJ, a model, a singer, and most importantly, she's an actress, and she is currently appearing in the movie Snow Babies. It's a movie about drug addiction, really powerful stuff. Now, you would think a lady in such serious roles would be very serious, but that was not the case with Shannon. We had so much fun, so much laughing, of course. What else happens here at the Sherpa Screening Room? Lots of laughing, lots of fun. I think you're going to enjoy hearing about this lady and keep an eye out for her because she is really talented. So without any further ado, Let's have a listen to my conversation with Shannon Wilson. Hello there, Rebels. We are here, of course, in the Sherpa screening room. And, you know, it's a small room, but there's a lot of talent in here that's kind of crowding me in here with my guest today. Her name is Shannon Wilson. She is an actress, an author, a songwriter, a singer. She's been a model. She's been a DJ. She's a producer. You you hosted on QVC. Is that right? Yeah, not so much a host. I'm more of, I'll be there tomorrow, actually, at QVC. Uh, model their fashion and their different products. So but First started out as a model before, mm-hmm. you, before you were acting, right? Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm 5'10". I was 5'10 when I was 13. And I went to the shopping mall 
in Houston at the Northwest Mall and they had a big, or no, it was at the Galleria and they had a modeling contest. So I entered it and then the agency liked me and took me on so that I started modeling at that age, pretty young. You never going to get your own little segment on QVC? Like, what would you do without these socks? <laughs> <laughs> I can only wish. No, <laughs> I, I won't, because they work really hard. Those ho The hosts and hostesses are there all the time. They work their butts off. And I'm really not that hard of a worker. It sounds like you do, when you list it all out, it sounds like I'm an overachiever. But that was all done during a long period of, of time. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't all just last week or anything. No, it's exactly. years and years in the making. <laughs> <laughs> now, originally, you're from Texas. Yes, from Houston. And I don't hear uh, a southern twang in you at all. Did you lose it, or did you not have a thick one? Or No, I think I did. I, as I said um, to somebody the other day, you put a red Solo cup in my hand with beer in it, and it will come right back. <laughs> <laughs> I would have one sent over to just for an experiment. Please. Oh, woo. It's here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think when I, my friend moved to Utah when we were I guess 13 or 14. And I went out to visit her in Utah in Ogden, Utah. And that was the first time, because my family's also from the Carolinas, from South Carolina. And that was the first time someone said, I mean, the way they looked at me, listen, how she talks. Oh my gosh. What did you just say? Listen to your voice. And it was the first time somebody had pointed out that I had an accent, <laughs> which was, you know, it's a life changing. You think you talk, you're, you think you're talking like everybody else. So I'll never forget that. I'm like, uh. <laughs> yeah. I, and I guess, especially when you're in specific regions too, people, you know, and you're, and you're out of that region, then all of a sudden you sound so foreign to everybody else. Yeah. You said they're, they're in Ogden, Utah. I mean, they had never experienced anybody from Houston, nor had I experienced anybody from Ogden. So it was a mutual fascination between the two cultures. <laughs> <laughs> and as we were saying, your, your mom and your dad were both teachers. Did they teach in the same school? No. Um, my mom, always, my mom taught in the Catholic schools. Well, she also taught in public schools when I was a kid and my dad started teaching later when I was in middle school or high school. He always wanted to be a history teacher and just can, he, he actually just passed away about three weeks ago, about a month ago. Um, but he could tell you anything about history, the civil war. He was just so bookish about that and really instilled in me the love of history. So he was, a um, he was a high school history teacher in an in inner city school and just really loved it and uh, had a passion for it. As we were saying earlier, before we started recording, the both of us are surrounded by teachers in our families, and this is a real time for them right now. Oh man, I, I don't, I can't thank our teachers enough for what they're they're going through, and on top of teaching our kids and making sure they're they're on top of things, they are. A lot of them have their own kids at home. I mean, the teachers last year at the end of the at the end at the end of our school year got great gifts from the from from us from my family because we were so appreciative. Everyone thank their teachers. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So back to Shannon. Let's talk about your career a little bit. So the modeling was probably the start in your public exposure. Yeah. And I, I always, I'm, I'm kind of a shy person, believe it or not, but I always, I, I wanted to do theater. If I, I actually want my mom to be a stage mom. I'm like, ah, oh, I wish you were a stage mom. I would have given anything, but she was so opposite of that. And there was a theater, great theater program in Houston but we couldn't afford it. I remember just being so sad that she, we couldn't, I couldn't take classes there because I just thought being in Greece or going to these plays would be awesome. I never really pursued acting full time until 
about six years ago when I went in, into New York and told my husband, I said, I think I want to try this. I want to take classes. I want to learn from great teachers. And um, so I was kind of late, late starter, you can okay. say, but I've always been fascinated. Uh, yes. From, to answer your question, I think mod was the first time the runway in front of people that I liked, you know, I liked that, but I didn't necessarily do that. Do you know what I mean? My whole life. I, I had a company where I wasn't in the public eye at all. Right. Not that I am now, but. And you ended up running your own business also. Right. Yeah. I learned, I, I moved to LA for a couple of years and I did a lot of runway and print work and learned about this whole promo world where you could be a brand ambassador and promote items and pass out things. And I didn't have a lot of money in LA as many people don't. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I learned how to, uh, I learned about the promotional business and I when I moved to the East Coast, I started my own company and staffed for marketing companies for a long time. We had employees at an office, and it was it was, it was a good. It was I always wanted my own business, so it was a good experience. After you did the modeling, and then you started doing some theater work, uh, what was your first major you know t- screen production? Do you remember? Or your first yeah. audition? Oh my gosh, yes. First of all, I never really did theater. I should have. I did some improv, but I should have done theater. Yes, my first um, audition was for the Michael J. Fox show. The big one. I'm going to, so when I say audition, so I did, I locally had an agent in Philadelphia and I worked at QBC and would do local spots and commercials. Um, but in New York's big time, right? Sure. So I got called in for the Michael J. Fox show, which was on about six years ago. And that was my first audition with um, Ross Meyerson. I'll never forget. He was the first person that called me in for a role. And I have auditioned for so many shows. I can't even tell you. And you just don't book them, but then those same casting directors will call you back in for different parts. Mm-hmm. So you may get a call back, you may get pinned for the role, then they cancel the role. So all these things can happen. That's why it takes so much, you know, a lot of a lot of pounding the pavement. I know you did a part in elementary, right? You played mm-hmm. a, a sniper or a female mercenary. Mercenary. <laughs> <laughs> That was my biggest, I was so excited when I booked that. That was with Mark Sachs casting who cast Good Wife. And yeah, I, I was, that was my first big, I mean, I booked Hack years ago through my modeling agency with David Morris. It was on CBS and that was my first television role, but I wasn't pursuing acting. So mm-hmm. when I booked elementary, I'm like, oh, I've auditioned for so many parts. I'm so happy to book this. You know, it's just too long. It was two words, but it was my first time on a, on a television set, you know, series with, with all of these people. So that was, that was really an exciting time. And in, I saw the scene in the scene, you look like you could kick some serious butt. When yeah. You're looking I'm like, I wasn't, I mean, that, <laughs> <laughs> and I was so annoying, you know, so I was, I was saying earlier, I mean, I literally had to sit in a closet with Johnny Lee Miller, the star of elementary, the uh-huh. set was built out. And then we were off to the side of the set in this little room. I mean, it was a closet size, like room closet. So I had to, walk out of that onto the set and I was in this room with him and I was so nervous and I was sweating and we're like nose to nose and I, I, I didn't want to mess up my two words and I think I said to him I said um I said oh my god my armpits are really sweaty <laughs> <laughs> he's like that's nice <laughs> I was trying to remain cool and collected because I really like him as an actor so <laughs> welcome cool. to Hollywood my armpits are sweaty <laughs> yeah I mean, he was like that's Great. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I just noticed something about you. When you went to college, you were a nighttime grunge. Yes. Yeah. 90.1 KSAU. (laughs) Did did you have like a DJ name or did you use your own 
Just yeah. Shannon. I use Shannon. Yeah. And it's funny because my sister is six years younger than I am. And she married um, a guy from Nacogdoches, Texas, where my college was. Mm-hmm. And he remembers me. He's like, oh, my God, we listen to you all the time. Because I had the, I think it was like the 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. hour. And grunge was, I mean, that was Pearl Jam and grunge. And it was just so fun to be a college DJ at that time with that music, Nirvana. And um that was a really good experience. I love that. Could you do a little sample of you maybe introducing like a like a nineties oh. grunge song? Yeah. Oh gosh. Eddie Better. Um okay, coming up I'll have um coming up we have Pearl Jam, Eddie Better, Dissident. It's one of my favorite songs. Uh track two. You guys know what I'm talking about. Here it goes. <laughs> and, and that was back in the day when sometimes where there were records. So I remember like the record skipping. <laughs> Did you ever DJ? Yes, I did. It was like, ding, 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 ding. you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll tell you a true story. One time I was DJing a wedding and it was a CD player. And when I was playing the bride and group song, the song was skipping. So it was like, okay, are you going to dance faster? Or <laughs> or I could just say, and now we, and now. <laughs> During their dance. <laughs> That's so st- I bet your armpits were sweating. <laughs> I think a lot more than my armpits were sweating. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it happens. Oh, and I was looking at your resume and I see that you can do, I know you can put, like, you have to put down like every skill that you have. <laughs> when you, when you, you do a Long Island and, and a Russian accent. Yes. Would you please grace us with one of each? You don't have to, you don't have to combine them. I'm like, me, 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 me. Yeah, no problem. So you were saying, so you're saying about Eddie Vetta. So I, uh, anyway, I was walking down the street and I saw Eddie Vetta pass me. He's literally like 5'2". I mean, 5'2". I'm 5'10". He like literally came up to my waist, but he was so good looking. So that's like a Long Island accent. And then you want the Russian. In Russia, I only hope for concerts. No concerts in Russia. <laughs> if they allow concerts in Russia, we'd go. But we do not clap. No clapping. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. (laughs) All right. We got to talk about some of your movies because I know there's so many. Snow Babies, that that just came out recently on, on Amazon Video. Yep, and on Fandango on Apple TV, so you can you can stream it that way. It was supposed to be in theaters, but with COVID, that didn't happen. But and and you play the mother of a drug addicted daughter. Yes, she's a 16 year old sweet, kind, straight A, Catholic schoolgirl, and she is addicted to heroin. Yeah, and I play the mom. And it's it, it was a very intense film to do. Um, it was an independent film. It was my first feature that I booked. And I'm really proud of it. Female director Bridget Smith and Mike Walsh wrote it. And they just did a lot of research on recovery addicts and had their stories and incorporated that into the film. So a lot of the stuff that people see is real life. I mean, it seems dramatic, some of it, but it's, it's stories they took. Um, so yeah, it, it was a great experience. And I hope that we hope that it helps people. Didn't you do a movie where you also played a drug addict? No, I, I, didn't, I wasn't addicted to drugs. I had cancer. Oh, okay. Yeah. And my father had dementia, but we were in, um, that one, a bunch of, that went to a lot of festivals. That was a short film. And that was, I, I loved playing that part because I wore a wig in it. I had a ball cap. For a while, you know, you go on a lot of auditions where you look a certain way or they, you kind of get pigeonholed, which is fine. I don't mind that if it's helping me get work, but I'm seeing now where I can be, you know, I can look, I want to be able to look haggard. I want to be able to look tired or or have these roles where 
Oh, no, you're right. One of the short films, I was addicted to opioids. Yes. I was a pill popper from the 80s. Yes. I thought uh, I a, wounded, a wounded deer. A wounded deer. Okay. Yeah, you know, I wrote that down with a question mark next to I it. am so sorry. You're so right. Yes. <laughs> How could I? Ethan. Ethan Rosenberg directed that. Yes, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, that, you know, facing the, the topic of drug, drug addiction on really both parts, where you're mm-hmm. the parent of someone or you're the addict yourself. Mm-hmm. That must do something like for your mindset when you when you have to film scenes like that where they're just so intense and yeah, snow babies. The one for when I was the opioid when I was the pill popper, it was um, a short film, so it was done. We went to Michigan, like up, up in Michigan in the middle of nowhere. We shot it in this cabin, and yes, that was tiresome. Snow babies was a longer shoot, and I had to really deal with a lot of content. And I have a fourteen year old daughter, so. That my daughter in the film 16. So to, to you know, visualize in Katie Kelly, who plays my daughter, such a great actress that it, I had PTSD after some of the scenes. Yeah. You really had to go to places emotionally and have kids of my, my own two teenagers. It was, I came home and I'm like, don't you ever try anything, you know, don't ever, I'm never putting you on pain medication. You know, it's, you know, it's scary. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, especially as a parent, you know, when you, you're playing a parent in that situation, then coming home to your own kids, yes, that reality just kind of stabs at you. It does. It's, yeah. It was, yeah, it was scary. They were, and I looked tired through snow babies. And there's a reason for that because those scenes were, we shot them sometimes out of order. So it would be like a really intense scene where I had to cry a lot and mm-hmm. deal with a lot of emotion. And then they'd be like, okay, I'll you know, wrap that up. And I'm still like, <laughs> you know, heaving, because I couldn't just turn that off. And then we had to go shoot something where I'm happier. <laughs> like, <laughs> still in my head from five minutes ago. And you're going to be in an upcoming Netflix show called Halston. And yeah. could you tell a little bit, talk a little bit about that? Yes. that um, Halston was a iconic seventies fashion designer. Mm-hmm. He was just unbelievable, really innovative in his fashion, best friends with Liza Minnelli, and was really part of the New York scene in the 70s. And Ewan McGregor is playing Halston. It's a Ryan Murphy production, and I'm lucky enough to have booked um, a part on that show. And the person that I'm working with, my husband, they haven't announced his name yet, but he's been around a really long time, someone that everybody knows, and he is the nicest person, has been, and was, and is so kind. Because that's a it's an intimidating situation to walk into. Sure, and you know, especially when uh, when Halston is being played by the guy who played Obi Wan Kenobi, <laughs> and he was so sweet. You know, McGregor. We worked one day, and then he got shut down because of COVID. So we oh. worked one day, um, but he was very nice. He's 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 very sweet, and I find I find most people really are, the, especially the ones that have been around a long time mm-hmm. that I've come into contact with, or you know, that maybe have parents that are pretty famous are really, really down to earth. Really nice. Well, that, that's good to know. And yeah. you're also, I know you had like a lot of pending projects like, because everything got held up because of COVID and mm-hmm. a lot, but a lot of things will probably be seeing the light of day, hopefully next year. Yeah. Next year. And I'm 21. Yeah. And 2020. And now we're starting to see auditions. I, I'm now I'm starting to tape auditions. So before you had to go into the offices, um, but it's, it's neat to see for anybody who wants to get into acting, it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, I started late. I was so much older than everybody else. Um, you know, then when they try out in their early twenties, but you just, like I said, pound the pavement and you work hard and 
your initial auditions may have no words, you know, no lines. You just act something out and then you'll slowly as you chip away, you start seeing progression. It's, it's pretty cool. And you're also doing a movie called Finding Christmas? Yes, that's by the same people from Snow Babies. So that'll be a Christmas movie. And I play Martina, the wife of a mob boss from South Philly. South Philly. Because they say South Philly, I love accents. I, 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 I can do many accents. It's fun for me. So I'm going to be like dressed up like Adriana from The Sopranos and, you know, hair and the nails. So I get to play a really fun fun character. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, as you're talking about all these different parts, you're probably going to be hard for them to pigeonhole. You could probably just do whatever role you can. My, my manager said you're a chameleon. I feel like she said you're a chameleon because I feel like it can be a little mercurial. And I think at first I was where people like the Upper East Side woman, the affluent country club, which is not me. Like my mom was a single mom. I love local bars. I mean, I can hang out with local. I just love that scene, mm-hmm. right? So that's really me. Um, so that, that and waiting tables, right? You have to and bartend. You have to be able to talk to anybody, and that's that's observing people in the first place. Bartending. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and all right, I got another one for you. The okay. Retaliators. Yes, that one. I have a very bit part in that one. Um, that stars Mark Manchada. Mark Manchaga. Menchaka, Menchaga, he was in Ozark and he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's such a good actor. That's a horror movie. And um, that's the same uh, producer from Snow Babies also. So they were nice enough to put me in that in a bit part. They're so, you know, once you get in with somebody. <laughs> I was saying, you got in good. So that's, uh, that's good. Hey, if they're going to promote your career, then nothing wrong with that. I love them too. So yeah, the Retaliators, that should be coming out next year. You're also a first time producer. For the obscured, yes, that thriller, and I was looking for something to produce. Um, and this woman who I just really like on Twitter, I follow her, and I just like her posts. And she's won just a bunch of awards, awards, and has done so many things. And so I reached out to her, and she was still looking for a little bit more funding and, and help as a producer. So I jumped on board, and I just thought that the concept was really smart, and I think it sounds. I, she sent me ten minutes of it, and I I love, I really liked it. So. So how does it feel being on the other side of the camera for the first time? I think I would, I think I like it. There's less, you know, there's less pressure. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of pressure when you're on the camera. I mean, some of the stuff that I'm shooting coming up for one of my shows, you know, I'm really nervous about it. It's a big scene and it's with a, you know, you, you, I think I've thought about it nonstop. You know, you just don't stop thinking of, you, you just want to do a good job, right? Sure. With anything that you do. And you just want to show that you can be just, I'm so green. I'm new to the, like newer to this than many of the people. So Mm -hmm. sort of prove yourself. Yeah. You know, I've interviewed people who sometimes, you know, their career only really kind of started flourishing like within the the past few years, but it's, it's fun. I guess once you kind of hit the ground running and you understand what's behind that momentum, as you're doing more things, it it just becomes a lot more comfortable in a, probably in a faster fashion would would you, would you say so yeah i think so i think it probably does become more comfortable i think that you don't feel like you're i mean you always kind of feel like you're on the chopping block in this business there's times where you're just like and anytime you could be fired or they'll cut your part i mean i got cut from a radio shack commercial and had to watch that damn radio shack commercial run 
for an entire Christmas. And I made a joke with my husband. I said, oh my gosh, when the Radio Shack commercial runs, every time it runs, I'm going to go cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. <laughs> well, my part got cut out. So I had to watch the commercial get run for a month and a half. And, you know, and I was, I, I, I didn't, I didn't make the residuals from it. So as one, somebody told me once, my um, manager said, never tell anybody you're in something really until you see yourself on the screen. Because <laughs> you could be on the cutting room floor. Absolutely. I mean, and there have been lots of scenes even with more, with a lot more famous actors too. Like I know what Ke- Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner famously in the big chill was yep. supposed to be in there. Mm-hmm. And there were a few other ones too. I know that's the, there's a lot of mine. Rachel Weiss talks about filming a, uh, filming a movie for, a, for two weeks or something. And then she wasn't in any of it. So I looked up one time actors who have been cut from parts I probably looked that up after I cut from the Radio Shack commercial. And there are a lot that, that happened. And sometimes, you know what, it makes sense. I did a short film and one of my scenes was cut out and it made complete sense once I saw the short, I saw the film. It didn't make sense with the rest of the movie. So sometimes you can't take it personally. It, it, you know, our storyline didn't line up with it and they were trying to move the move the story along. So... So sometimes it's for the sake of continuity and yes, and sometimes they don't want that subplot that they might feel takes away. It's too much me. sometimes. Mm-hmm. I yeah. can understand that. Yeah, it's not the actor. Um, it's a lot of times that that reason. So you have to remember that when it happens to you. <laughs> now, and also I know that you like to write, and you actually have a published book mm-hmm. called The Littlest Peanut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is um, based on personal experience. Yes. Yeah, both my kids were premature. So I created after being in the NICU, they were both in the NICU at separate times and I had written poetry and there were no baby books. If you have a preemie at the time, there were no baby books that matched the milestones that a premature baby has. Mm -hmm. So first time you change their diaper, first time you hold them uh, when they got off of their CPAP. So all those things are important to parents of preemies. So I just created a book. My brother-in-law illustrated it and it's like a baby book that you fill out for a baby, but it's for preemies. Do you get a lot of feedback on that from people who've who've experienced that as well with tours? Yes. yes. I, I mean, I, I published that about five years ago. We're on our fourth edition. Yes. On my on the reviews on Amazon, they're always so sweet. Um, I do have one one star from a woman. I swear, I don't even Corgi lover. She just <laughs> irks me. She's been there for like five years. She goes, there's not even a visitor's page, which there is. I mean, she totally, I've tried to get that review off and they don't, Amazon will not take that review off. (laughs) (laughs) And it made me not like corgis. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe today, this is a funny story. I got cut off by someone driving a Subaru today and their license plate said hippos. I was like, look at this jerk. It just cut me off. And then I'm like, and then they turned into a CVS. Like they cut me off and then turned it into a CVS and their license plate said hippos. I'm like... I don't know. What can you do with someone like that? I mean, they're driving a Subaru and they have a hippo's license plate. <laughs> you might not want to uh, approach that car. Yeah. I, just, I just thought about it. I just started crying. I was so mad when they did it. And then I just started cracking up. <laughs> See, you know, that's a potential song, a hippopotamus and a Subaru. The hippo and the Subaru. The environmentalist hippo. <laughs> that's right. And you are also a songwriter and we were talking earlier that you do have some songs on iTunes and Spotify if people want to check it out and it's under your name under Shannon Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yes, they can go on. And it, the, some of them, I realized yesterday I looked on there and they're 
older than time goes so fast. So I, uh, when I first started wanting to write songs, I found out there was a music guy that was a studio musician in Nashville with Joe Diffie and Brad Paisley. He was in Nashville for all these years and he's a town over for me. He's an unbelievable, he's probably like 60, 65, Jim Heffernan. And so he produced the songs and I'm, I'm a guitarist, but not like, you know, he is. And I texted him yesterday and I said, I have a new song I want to record. And I haven't worked with him in a few years. So I'm excited to, 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 to write a new one. Sure. I wrote it. I just need to record it. Yeah. And I was telling Shannon that I was checking out some of the songs last night and it's definitely like a country folk kind of vein. If you like country folk kind of music and it's, it's really good stuff. Thank you. So I, I would advise everybody to, uh, check out her pages on Spotify and Apple Music. Yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> Apple <do>. Music now. <laughs> Thank you. So it's there. <laughs> I so what is next for Shannon Wilson? I'm shooting. Well, we'll start, I'll, you know, start working on Halston for Netflix. And then, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, just I take it day by day. I mean, like I said, I'm at QBC tomorrow. I'm going to do a little fashion modeling and you can't at this present day, you just have to come, right. You have, I, I'm working on being grateful for what I have now in terms of like my kids and all of that and work and not try to want more. Does that make sense? Sure. Cause we get all a good balance. Yeah. We just, I, cause I'll think, Oh, I haven't gotten an audition or, I mean, I've or had some auditions and then, you, you know, my manager will say, Oh, they moved you up in casting and then you don't hear anything back. And I have to remember just to be grateful for the stuff I have and not try to, because everything's moving a little bit slower these days. So I don't know what's next. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe I'll record a song. There you go. Well, you already <laughs> got the hippo in the Subaru idea. <laughs> hippo in the Subaru. <laughs> I'm what are you going to do <laughs> when they cut do? you off? <laughs> what did you have to get at CVS? That was so important. <laughs> you almost killed me. <laughs> that hippo in the Subaru cut me off and I was going to CVS because of my cough. <laughs> yeah, see? I'm, can, I'm going to hire you to write me my next song. <laughs> the Sherpa Studio presents. Sherpa Studio presents. The Hippo and the Subaru. That's a good name for the podcast. <laughs> That'll work. All right. So why don't we let everybody know where uh, the people can follow you on social media and if they want to learn a little bit more about you as well. I know we've kind of... Uh, touched a lot of things on the surface and there's, and there's so much more to be found. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, yeah, they can go, I mean, you can Google me, Shannon, S H A N N A N Wilson, and that will pop up all of my stuff, you know, the book and the music and uh, my IMBD page. We can follow me on Twitter at Shannon in as a Nick Wilson. Um, but I'm not, I try to be better about social media, but I'm not that good at it. Like people come up with such witty stuff to say. And I just, I can't, I start writing something and then it's so stupid. So I just don't really post a lot. You know what I mean? I'm, people are I'm so making good a podcasting career out of being stupid. So <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not stupid. But yeah, I know. But are you good at that? Are you good at Twittering, Twittering, tweeting? tweeting? Are you good at witty, witty stuff? Uh not I bet you. I bet you are. Most of my tweets are like when we're done, I will go on Twitter and I'll say, "Oh, I I talked to Shannon Wilson." They're and factual. Just, yeah, <laughs> but you know, I'll probably throw some sort of my weird sense of humor in there somehow, and you know, and just tell people to check the show out. 
Yeah, well, I, I like weird senses. Of, I like weird senses of humor. <laughs> That's right. You were a big fan of British humor. Oh yeah. Oh my god. My dad raised. I mean, my dad introduced, and I showed my kids Monty Python. <laughs> John Cleese. Their whole the way they can deal with death and the humor in that is just brilliant. Sure. So you grew up on, on Monty Python. Did you watch Faulty Towers? And no, I didn't see Faulty Towers. Is that that's another one? And what's the other one? Uh, there was one that I used to watch called "Are You Being Served?" And it, it was a store. It was about as a British show, and uh, it was about the people that worked in the store. I wrote that down. Oh, are you being served? So what? What happened? So they walked in the store, and then it was like. Yeah, well, hello, are you being served? And like, the, whole, the whole kind of British class, you know, how they operate department stores. And it's it's very different from what we would see in the U.S. Uh, I mean, just the, the the intelligence level of Monty Python. I mean, those guys just were so smart and still are. I still love John Cleese. I mean, he still cracks me up when he's on talk shows and just so witty and just the stuff he was. I was hearing him talk about his mother the other day and how he was going to have her stuffed and put her in a corner. He goes, and I told her that. She was like, ooh, that sounds like... And then he said, my mother, it must be so hard to be 92. I mean, you go, you get up in the in the, in the nursing home and you go get your custard and you come back and the person you were just talking to is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, custard is funny. I mean, everything about that whole thing is funny. <laughs> and now for something completely different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you definitely want to check out her work, like I said, let's uh, check out Shannon's website and keep an eye open for Snow Babies because it's going to be some powerful stuff there on yeah, Amazon. Yeah, please watch Video. it. Yeah, and we, we will be keeping our fingers crossed with Halston and uh, Mr. Obi-Wan. <laughs> yes, this, it'll, it'll be great. <laughs> and your mystery husband, so that you can't say who it is yet. My history husband. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon Wilson, thank you so much for... Coming on down to the Sherpa screening room. I had a blast. Thank you for having me. Hello there, Rebels. It's me, Jim the Podcast Sherpa, interrupting my own podcast to let you know about another podcast that I've worked on. It's a little mini-series, five episodes, called Too Many 80s Songs, and I didn't work on it alone. I got a lot of help with my buddy, Uncle Bruce. You know him better as Mr. Bruce, but it's Uncle Bruce and me, Jim the Podcast Sherpa, with the five-part podcast called Too Many 80s Songs, and we talk about what else? 80s songs. And it's just a lot of unscripted conversation, a lot of silliness, a little trivia, and a lot of music. So please check it out. New episodes debut Monday for five weeks through January and February. And you can hear all those songs exclusively on Spotify. That's the only place that's playing the Too Many 80s Songs show. Little hint, if you don't get to hear the songs in their entirety on Spotify. Check my social media, Chirpolution, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for the link to all the songs that we included and some that we didn't. If you're a big fan of 80s music and you've got a special 80s request or dedication, send it to me. And if we get enough requests, we're going to come back and do a special request and dedication show. Hope you listen. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much. Viva la Chirpolution. Dream when you were here 
was real But then the cloudiness in my head fades away And I'm left with my lonely thoughts today Plans I didn't make Wrong turns, dead ends But honestly, no regrets On and on, can't flip the hourglass I keep on going So the future's not the past I'm praying for gold and a puddle of mud Sifting through the rocks with nothing but hope Cause I know you exist Eyes are strained from looking so far Like trying to focus on just one star Looking for me Sometimes a cardinal appears A vision of beauty and grace and For gold and a puddle of mud Sifting through the rocks with nothing but hope Cause I know you exist My eyes are strained from looking so far Like trying to focus on just one star Looking for me Cause I know you exist My eyes are strained from looking so far Trying to focus on just one star Looking for me Praying for gold in the puddle of mud Sifting through the rocks with nothing but hope Cause I know you exist Internet thingy at SherPollution.com. There you have it. And thanks so much to Shannon Wilson for coming on down to the Sherpa screening room. I had so much fun with her. And we will be back with another show for you. And you know what? If you like the show, do me a favor. Go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher.com or iHeartRadio and leave a nice little review about the show. Spread the word about the Sherpolution. We can do that, right? Sure. And if you want to check this show out online, you can go to my website, sharpolution.com. Okay, Mr. Bruce, I guess we're done with today's interview. You know what? Let's head on out in a Subaru and let's make sure there are no hippos inside of it because, you know, they tend to take up a lot of room in the backseat. See you rebels next time. Viva la Sharpolution. Thanks for listening to the Sherpa Screening Room. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. I'm Mr. Bruce, and this has been a Sherpa Loose Studios production. Viva la Sherpa Lucian.